This is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and you might as well be naked. Listen up, mortal. If you've desperately explored the web for vampire-themed clothing, but everything was either cheesy, sparkly, poor quality, or cost an arm and a leg, then sink your teeth into Just Bloody Driven. Just Bloody Driven is a graphic design coterie that provides exactly what you've been missing in vampire-themed apparel. They offer brand-name t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, and hoodies to the U.S., U.K., and Germany. Their convenient Amazon shop handles orders, printing, shipping, and and returns. They also do bulk order discounts and custom design crafting for your shop or gaming community. Don't settle for dull, lifeless garb that drains your pocketbook. Check out Just Bloody Driven on Facebook or search for them at Amazon.com. That's Just Bloody Driven at Facebook or Amazon.com. Our efforts are focused and brutal, calculating and This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we're glad to be back over the long holiday. Um, I'm sure everybody had a ton of stuff that they had to do or crazy busy. So real quick, Bob, how was your holiday? Holiday was busy. I mean, that's uh, that's that's for shit. Sure. There's uh, a lot going on. I mean, typical, right? Yeah, Family, of course. Here. Yeah. Did you have to do any driving or anything? Oh, hell no. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's just the opposite for me. See, when the holidays come around, Bob is less likely to be going long distances. Right. Bob, uh, Bob hangs out at home. He lets people come to him. <laughs> My family had to trick me to fly me to Seattle for a visit. Told me you're staying a month and a half. If well, that puts I mean, it in perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, just visit early, early November. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. and then it was like, oh, no, you're staying through Christmas. Oh, right. okay. I remember that. That shit cracked me up. I was like, oh, are you, uh, when, are you, when are you coming home? Uh, it's going to be a little bit. <laughs> it's like prison. I haven't seen him in five years. So apparently I got a service stint. Yeah. Don't worry, they'll get well, sick of me. I have a sister. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> cool. Um, before we get started, I just want to um, give a little shout out to um, one of our Patreon backers and uh, one of our friends who donated like 40 pounds of books to me. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you, Pale, uh, for sending out that box of books. Um, you know, I'm a little reticent to use people's real names. I don't know how they feel about that stuff. So, um, but I just want to uh, send him a thank you. I know he's got a, um, a baby on the way and we're real happy for you. But, um, you know, when, when Bob and I, when we, uh, moved, when I moved and when he moved, um, I, I basically took like a handful of books, like six books and was like, well, this is my collection now. And that was more for like ease of movement. Like who wants to move? you know, 50 or 60 pounds worth of books, nobody. And I was already moving a ton of books. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been real cool. Um, he's uh, twice now sent me like a small, um, I don't even want to say small cause it's not, but like a, a relatively decent sized chunk of books. And, um, I got, uh, I got a demon, the fallen core book, Bob. <laughs> which, so which, which is awesome. My look is because you're complaining about 30 to 40 pounds of books. Not even complaining. It's 30 to 40 pounds of books. Right. Nobody likes me when I have to move. <laughs> Nobody. It was 17 boxes of books. That was. It was the biggest thing well, we had to move. And all I could say is, you're welcome. 
that libraries <laughs> needed. Libraries needed. And while we're doing a shout out, uh, Fang Bang sent me a Christmas gift. Uh, Fang Banger, excuse me, online sent me a gift of uh, Mage Books because we oh. know how we know I I love Mage so much. So he sent me those <laughs> books as uh, as I'm learning it and uh, sending. I appreciate him for that uh, to give me yep. the ability to. And, and it came with a, a request. There's some crazy Mage book that he wants us to review. That is that apparently it trumps Chaos Factor. Uh, I'd love to hear about that. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some cool stuff uh, in the. Uh, when I say cool, I mean like cool using air quotes, like some ridiculous stuff in those mage books. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's it's really awesome in the, like the spirit of collaboration that this podcast really is. Like we do reviews of vampire books, but the whole point is like this is the stuff we love and we want to share it with everybody. So learning mage and learning you know your werewolf books and stuff um i'm i'm really enthusiastic about it i I really want to not only learn them but play them right so i mean you gotta understand this to use and that's how that go right right so um anyways thank you guys fang banger thank you pale um and everybody else that's supported us throughout the year and all the people we met in august and um you know i'm 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 planning on you know trying to do it again um coming up here in august of this year i mean we're going to be at gen con at least i'm going to be i don't know about anybody else so uh, we're really looking forward to what the new year has to bring and um learning some new games as well um we have some stuff coming up uh, we're going to be doing a review of uh, They Came From Beneath the Sea, uh, the new book in Kickstarter, um, the Matthew Dawkins Onyx Path property that uh, is not out yet, but we're going to be doing a review of it. Um, I'm looking forward to consuming that uh, in, in its entirety and uh, even running a few games with uh, some uh, people online, maybe some local folks, see where that leads. And you won't be disappointed. I already started digging in. You know me. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Dockers does good work. So Onyx Path does amazing all the time. Yeah, yeah. They they've uh, so. Anyways, let's 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 use that as our uh, our spring off point. Um, what book are we here reviewing today, Bob? Dread names, dread list, or dread names, dread list without the gremlin voice. Dread, dread names, red list. So that it's a little confusing to me because normally the Vampire the Masquerade books have like their first part and then like the colon. And then the second part, but here they use a comma. So it's dread names, red list. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry. So this book, anyways, uh, this book gives us some insight and some information about, uh, literally the red list, the anathema, the, um, the, who's the most wanted of the Camarilla, the basically like the FBI's most wanted, uh, of the Camarilla. And, uh, yeah, so um, my first question to you, Bob, is, um, uh, you know, just off the cuff, like, was this a book that um, you, you like, thought you would need yeah, when, you, it, when you got it? It is, because the other Red List book was just, it, it, was a, it was a bold attempt to put out what made sense for an organization not fully thought out yet. Um, I believe the term, the industry term is seeding. They, right. they didn't want to go full ham on it in case nobody had an interest in those that hunt down these worst of the worst vampires. Because I, like I've heard said, um, what makes a vampire the worst thing that all vampires have to hunt them? And that would right. be, that'd be hard to do. Right? right. And so they made the first book and we reviewed that already. Um, the, 
this book takes that one and actually makes it a book. Right. Right. Is what it does. Because there's some stuff that just wasn't in the old that is in this one, like explaining the point of an Alistair. Right. Right. Like like it explains an Alistair, but, you know, then everybody had a vague idea of it. And it seems like the meat and potatoes were added here. So let me ask you a question, because uh, my memory, um, you know, especially after doing all these podcasts, my memory tends to be kind of shit. I don't recall in previous incarnations or previous books that talk about the Red List, I don't recall them stating that there were only ever 13 individuals on the Red List. Well, Do you I don't remember, re- was, was there like any precedent for that? No, no. well, because the Red List was assumed that there'd be 13 names. The top mm-hmm. thirteen, the kindred's most wanted, and that's and that's the it's in the title, right? It's right. the most wanted, but that wasn't the length and breadth of the list. It was just these thirteen would be posted right. in all uh, these. Because I, I mean, reading through this, I was like, "Go, go ahead." Sorry, no, it's just it was just that said it was posted in all Elysiums, and that there are other red list members that aren't. Well, the attention isn't brought to fourteen on, right? Number fourteen on. Right. So, so with this one, they, they basically tell you like the red list is only ever these 13 individuals. That's it. Um, in order to get on the red list, somebody has to be killed from it. (laughs) And without that, you know, I I think that, um, you know, it's, it's sort of more focused instead of just like, there's a red list and like, we don't really focus, you know, on, on those that aren't of this, but like here, they're basically giving us the information. They're codifying this. Um, so, in, in this very first chapter, uh, you know, they, they give us a bit of, of history on what the traditions are. And I, I have to say, like, I, I actually like that because I, we all everybody that plays this game, that's played this game for any period of time, kind of has an understanding of what the traditions are. Right. Like we all know we have to, like, believe, you know, we have to go by these traditions. But the fact that they kind of like really codify them for you and, you know, they they tell you what is the difference between just like being blood hunted and finding yourself on the red list. And, um, also the council of scales that they mention. I, I basically, I, what I'm, what I've come to determine while reading through these books is that, um, Critias, you know, our, our old school Bruja elder from Chicago, right. It feels like anything that's really old, that needs to be like retconned into the world. They're just like, Oh yeah, it's Critias. <laughs> what, I, what I do is I hate, I don't like to say that they retconned them. Right. And the reason why is because they're not, what they is they're defining, right? They right. found stuff that just wasn't defined. It wasn't that it wasn't good. Let's face it. 20th anniversary is when the fans demanded to have explanations. Right. And then they said, okay, we will explain it. And then they attached what they had to do. It's literally a labor of love. Right. And and that's what Critias is. Why? Because why else would you have a fifth gen Bruja right, walk, who walking comes around passive enlightenment and <laughs> he's got it he's gotta serve a purpose. Well, don't don't feel like I say retcon, like retroactive continuity. Don't feel like I say that as a critique or a criticism, right? And this is for listeners, not for Bob. Like Bob, you can fucking cast dispersions all you like um but but for players like i don't i don't consider this like oh man they like added this in retroactively like it was it's what bob was saying like little ideas or little seeds that they'd planted in previous versions now they explore a little bit more fully and give you a little bit more information on and you know especially like the red list and the your your um your justicars and their role in 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 the the whole situation and and if i can explain a little bit this is because fans are demanding shit 
Right. We're, no, we're annoying little, little birds is what it is. And we're very sensitive. And because of that, you can't please us all. A company has to step lightly. So they will seed an idea and they will hold back to see how that idea is digested. And then when you hear like the popularity of the book and fans want more, want more, want more, you won. Here's more. Right. And just look at it, look at it that way. That's my perspective because I, I feel that we have to have sensitivity towards the company and the writers and the and, and us. Those who are the fans mm-hmm. of digesting because we're in the middle here. And that's what this book is. But to add to the fact, don't forget that the traditions were there, they give you detail here. Where they come from, you'll see more of that in the Dark Ages, right? When we hit when we hit into the Dark Ages, right. you really get insight into what that is. But they do a phenomenal job here, nonetheless. Because if you're like Nate and said "f history," I want to deal with the now <laughs> when I'm when I'm playing a vampire. This is a great guide to get you going and to, and to see to explain where that is. Right, right. Well, see, I I just wanted to wait until I was doing a podcast and and was obligated to read Dark Ages. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be fair, like I. I I know a lot of people that are are into this game that are are like real history buffs really enjoy Dark Ages. Uh, I just I my perspective has always been bound to the modern, you know. So I've always just I've liked Vampire the Masquerade, like the modern version of the game, the best. But you know, I've played Dark Ages. I don't have a problem with it. I just you know I, I feel like I don't want to you know get into that until we're you know till we're doing it. I, it's sure. a lot of extra work, right? Whereas as a, maybe I'm just a lazy storyteller is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I believe what the term is. You like what you like and that's what you stick with until the demand changes. Right. Right. Well, so anyways, we move on and we get a little bit of information background on the history of the red list. And we get that in the form of, you know, some narrative uh, material, but also um, some of these letters from, um, you know, just cars uh, back and forth sort of talking about it. Now, um, here's here's another cool thing that that they did in here that a lot of books don't do. And I, it's it's a criticism that I've had for a long time. Uh, and what that is, is actually telling you who's who and what's what. So pardon me. For instance, um, here um, in the middle of this first chapter, it tells us who the Camarilla's Justicars are as of, you know, 2011 uh, when, you know, the, the, this this happened, uh, when this is supposed to take place. Um, so. You know, there's we don't get a detailed, you know, uh, diatribe on every one of the Justicars. That's pointless, right? Like, but we do know that Lucinda's there. We know that Ian Carfax is there. So, like, we know some of these characters from other uh, other supplemental material. Um, but it, it it tells you basically what I'm saying is this book gives us something that a lot of other books don't, and that's bullet points. And I like that. I like just. Quickly, I can go, okay, who's the Camarilla Justicar of Clan Tremere? Uh, boom, it's on this page. Um, this, this, this book's filled with that. Like, right, right. Not just, not just the bullet points, but literally this book is, we saw the old book and we just updated it. Mm-hmm. That's what this screams to me is this is all we did. We filled in the blanks. We defined terms. And that's why the, the last chapter of the appendix, which I won't mention what's in it just yet, but the, it makes a lot of sense the way they did it. It wasn't right. a focus. Right. So uh, we go on a little bit further, and um, this is actually, I like this more than I like the fact that they like included who is the Justicars, but this little section called A Matter of Degree, and it shows you what a blood hunt is and what the red list is. So it, it like makes it very simple for you as a player or you as a storyteller to go, this is something 
that would be A or could be B. So um, I like that. I like that as a tool for, you know, like actually rolling out the material properly and not just sort of leaving things like we all know in revised and in previous versions, your second edge, your first eds, there's a lot of things that are left sort of vague, right? They're kind of just, you know, like, uh, it's a red list. It's we're not going to give you all the details. We'll let you be creative. And, and what do players do? So many players who go, this is a game. Like, how do I play this? They just sort of infer right here. They're giving you very specific information and telling you exactly how one would roll this out. So, uh, yeah, so th- all throughout this chapter. Um, so having said that, you know, not to spend too much time on that. Now we go into who is on the red list. And uh, I don't know how you want to do this, Bob, but I, I, you know, I don't want to talk about every character like, you know, in their entirety. Um, I, I'd rather pick. Um, I don't know, because I, I feel that takes away from the book. I know we did it last time where we kind of got into like three and it went long. And that's, mm-hmm. what, and that's what we did. And uh, there's terms to talk about in here, too, right? Right. Like uh, just just a couple of them right to hit before we dive in. Like right. there's not just like what what the hell's an Alistair? You have a red list, but who hunts these guys? Right, right. And it's uh, Alistairs are not archons, right? There's a distinction. And so, and what and what the hell's an archon? So we know the Justicars, right? Judge, right. jury, and executioners for the Camarilla, and they have archons. These are assistants who help them. And it's and it's not just assistants; these are soldiers. Right. These are people assigned to tasks to represent the Justicar to do what you think it would take to keep a sect of vampires in order, like the right. Camarilla, especially beholden the traditions. Then you have Alistairs. Now, Alistairs are more relevant to this book specifically because it's the red list, right, right that they're talking about. And, and the red list needs a little... We mention it, and what the hell is it, right? It's the right. very worst of vampires that are on there, not always. I was going to say, yeah, sometimes it's, it's that. Uh, right. but sometimes it's, you know, it's someone who gets there politically. And you gotta understand, right? This, this history of this red list, it starts with the founders, right? And the founders originally had this list and kept it secret. They were people they knew that when they formed the Camarilla, they would have to eliminate to ensure the Camarilla was whole going forward. Like any potential right. threat had to be taken right out of there, which, okay, cool. And then one year they decide that now that we have these Jessicars, this list goes to you. And we now become the inner council. You will report to us who you've put on this list and explain to us why they're on this list. You'll, you'll tell us what's going on. And that's right. like, wow, boom. So you really are the judge, jury, and executioner. But you do answer to the inner council, right? And as we've learned from previous podcasts, that's why that council came up with a, another archon type, right? The eyes. Right. They're the ones that go and watch what the justicars do to report back. So we have an idea of how this system works. Well, now that we have this red list, and now that the Jessicars have it, they have to have this conclave, right? Because it takes two or more Jessicars to put someone on the red list. Right. But they have to do it at a conclave. They can't just say, uh, me and Nader Jessicars, and we decide that, oh, I don't know, Brian Boitano's done. <laughs> We're going to put him on the red list, right? right. You know, right. That's that. You know, because we have to say, Brian Boitano, you know, he, according to South Park, it's kind of a bad guy, right? Hang on one he, second. Essentially, from that, you have uh, these Alistairs. Now, an Alistair is somebody who is uh, authorized to hunt those in the red list, right? And, right? and and they have to kill them. Like, they don't just get to be an Alistair and stay that way forever. They have to successfully hunt and kill someone on the red list and receive a trophy. 
mm-hmm. then they're officially announced they're on their own two feet. Now, the trophy mark, we've explained it's still in here to give you ideas and plots what to do with it, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, but just to speed that along, they then have a new term, a red Alistair, right? right. Or rather, a more defined term. Right, because uh, we kind of, uh, we knew Lucinde was a red Alistair before, right? But like, the kind of was like, ah, she's a red Alistair. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, she right. like an ultra double, triple badass? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> actually, that's what that means. She's, a, she's an ultra triple badass. I like that term because that makes it rather simple, right? Right. And really, it's more defined than that. It means that Lucinde can grab Alistairs and train them, right? right? She trains them and guides them to be better Alistairs, hence why a lot of the letters, I think there's a couple letters she's inferred about Redless members or someone being hunted, and that's that's Lucinde's doing. That, that's her job. She's supposed to reach out to, to the Nate and Bob Alistairs in the world and guide us so we're not in the streets filling it with blood. Right. And, you know, that's that's that. So uh, now that we know what a red Alistair, the Alistair is kind of whatever. I'm trying to be quick with this to get to where Nate is. Um, there's, a, there's another term that's new, right? It's a Jostian. Now, what yeah. a Jostian is, it's the separation of church and state. Here, they kind of mimic the Sabbat. The Sabbat is an internal infernalist group hunting. So does the Camarilla, and they're Jostians. And their sole purpose is to hunt down infernalist members. Now, any infernalist member is assumed to be on the red list. Right. It's an assumed thing. But they have to be hunt, hunted specially because the Camarilla acknowledges that they're like an infection. If you find uh, an infernalist, it's bad. It means that the Jostian knows and they have to go in and see just how many people are affected by it and what they have to go in and get rid of. I mean, it's a serious problem. And so they have these guys do it, but they're not Alistair's. They're considered offhand peers is how it works, which is why they have a distinction. And why they're in this book directly relates to the fact that there are more than a few people on the red list, or there are a few people on the red list now, because I think they killed a couple of them, um, that are infernalists, right? They have that in there or here right. too. Uh, or infernal knowledge. Just having infernal knowledge gets you hunted by a Jostian. You know, right. it's gonna. Ha- I don't know if it's Jostian or Jostian or just E-N. I have no idea how you'd pronounce it, but that's. But they're there, right? <laughs> right. And that's it. And that's the, those are the distinctions. Oh, final thing. They go over princes and the red list, and why should a prince care? And what is a prince involvement is? I know in the past the prince has been like it's red list. It's great. Now we're fucked. We can't do anything. This Alistair's here. I guess he's gonna run through the streets like an 80s action star, insert buddy cop right, down, right. and he's going to handle business. No. What a prince does is they sit there knowing that Alistair's in here, they have the confidence the Alistair's been trained to handle the Redless problem. And what they do is, a wise prince works with them. I'm going to set you up, what you got to do, what do you know? I can't tell you everything, prince, for all I know, you know my business, um, but I'm going to be working here and here. And he can lie to him to misdirect the prince, but the point is, you want to have him on tap. Because when you walk in with the trophy mark, the prince is supposed to somehow know, infer, to get it. To know you are right. who you are. And to keep it under hat. And and why is that? It's so this dude doesn't give away to his quarry that he's here hunting them. Well, and uh, so that's the other thing, too, that they kind of mention on, uh, in here. That, like, the... So, you're if you don't know, uh, the... The Alistairs have a mark, and it marks them as an Alistair. Um, and apparently, one of the individuals on the red list has somehow compromised that mark. So even now, like, there's a little bit, like, there, there's a way for them. They've, they basically have presented a rule that says um, anyone meeting this criteria 
kind of has a sense of what you are, that you're an Alistair, right? So it's kind of like they know like, oh shit, this guy's an Alistair, like that mark is real. But even that is a little iffy now because that mark has potentially been compromised. So you have a uh, Dylan Bruce, I believe is his name, who nefariously went through and corrupted the mark and uh, he found a way, but hey, he's a bad boy. He's on the red list for a reason, <laughs> right. right? And that's just what you do. And and then we get into the red list people, right? And that's right. where we just slam back into it. And I and I returned you back to your normal Nate timeline. Yeah. So um, you know, like uh other versions of this uh this podcast, like other books where there's a bunch of characters, like I, I don't want to necessarily go through every one of them, right? Because it's a kind of pointless. Like you're gonna read it, you wanna read them. So I basically um as you pass it on to me, um, I just was curious if there were any of these characters, and mind you, there's only 13, so it's not like a huge you know, it's not like a, a, a insurmountable selection of characters. Um, let me ask you a question, because uh, some of these characters, I'm, I'm a little iffy on some I like, some I don't. Um, what are your thoughts about like bloodborne vampiric diseases? I'll tell you off the bat, I've never been a fan. Never been a fan of robot. I've never enjoyed the fact that you're on the red list because you got this disease. I get it that it happens, but here's the problem, right? It defies the very nature of, vampire, of a vampire. Yeah, you're, I've always felt the same. You're dead. Why is a disease walking around becoming a problem for you? Right. Where's that curse kick in? Now we're a quasi-vampire, whatever. And uh, it's not for everybody, right? I'll be fair about that. It's, you know, some people do enjoy a vampiric plague or something to fight through or hunt down. Um, I don't. I feel it takes away from what you are. I feel it puts the wrong idea in the player's head about what they're playing because you're the villain. Right. Right? You're not here to save... Uh, the uh, the world from the great plague of bubonic plague of 2019. Right. To touch base on what you're saying there, like, um, you know, even reading through like the um, um, the some of the newer material um, and there's like some talk of like, you know, bloodborne diseases and vampires. I, I don't I'm not I'm not too hip on that. I've never really been a big fan. And um, I just yeah, I don't I don't particularly care that much for it. So I, I think it, you know, it is what it is, like, especially since it's a flaw in this book, uh, this the scourge, and it says that there's only one known carrier of the disease. It's kind of like, what, why, like, what does it matter? <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> like, who cares? Like, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. So um, I, I like the concept of the character, um, but it's, you know, it's a little it's a little over the top for me. I'm not into the whole disease thing. And he can't be um, right. because, uh, you know, I said it's horrible transition. All right. right. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, the uh, the character Kyoko Sh- uh, Shinshigawa, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's, uh, it's a character that clearly they felt needed to be included. Uh, I really don't. Uh, I think there are better villains. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think she's. They feel she's red list worthy, and she might be somebody that did. She might be somebody they felt was a threat, but really, I think if an archon has a hard time tracking down a tenth gen lightweight, <laughs> quit. <laughs> right, quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I'm I'm glad we're in. We're kind of like in. Uh, we're succinct on that one. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, like, what's your what's your like favorite character on this? Uh, on this list, out of this, these thirteen, out of this list, Tariq the Silent, who didn't make the list, 
<laughs> thanks and thanks yeah. everybody thanks everybody uh bob's favorite character is a character who did not make the list uh, <laughs> i just, I just <clears throat> seriously hands down they mentioned him in the book i don't know why he's on the list i don't know what where right. he magically went but he was right. he was he was on this list and with good reason uh but they felt that eh, he's just an ass mate Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, I want to say, um, I don't have a problem with the characters on here, right? I I like them. You know, I, I like, um, for instance, I like Valerius Mayer. I I think that's, uh, you know, it's kind of like an old school character type and, and, and I, I, I like that. Um, but I feel like there's a number of characters on here where, um, you know, with the, with the exception of like, I I enjoy, um, Petaniqua as well, but like, a lot of these other characters, I'm like, mm, really? They they should be on the red list. Like, all right, well, you know, it's your world. Um, <laughs> um, Dylan Bruce is my is my favorite out of the book. Like, I like Varys Muir, but in this mm-hmm. book, Dylan Bruce is when it puts a smile on my face every time right. I read about him. Because who's who's that guy who used to sing all them bad boy British songs? I I don't you know. I'm not about, sure what you mean. He was no. like an icon, Billy Idol. Him? Oh, okay, yeah, Billy Idol. Yeah. In the midnight hour. Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's that's him. It's Billy Idol. That's who Dylan <laughs> Bruce is. I can't I can't help but think that that if he got embraced, he'd run around. Like to me, he's a dude who's doing all this bad stuff just to get attention. Right. He wants you all to remember that he's the source. He's the icon. And the camera now has to keep him quiet, and that's just as Dylan wants it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, baby, all eyes on me. You know, just that type of guy has that swagger. Because why? You know what I mean? Um, right. his, his whole trip into infernalism even seems to be, it's one big party. You know, immortality, there's the devil. Let's poke him in the head. Why not? Right. You know, his way of being, yeah, it's awesome. And and to know the character, he's on Path of Evil Revelations. He's, he's evil's evil's evil. But he doesn't have to be played like a nefarious uh uh satanic whatever you know what i mean you can play him as a normal vampire who has this darkness to him but you you slow play that stuff i'm a fan of the slow play and he's definitely that he's he's more of a rebel to me than anything else so um the one character that i've actually used uh recently on this uh, well i haven't technically used him i've just made mention of him in in you know my personal game is jermaine um because again we're we're talking about Critias. Um so you know I've used him sort of like in a political, you know, uh um I've I've made mention of him in, in Elysium um uh, in a critical manner towards the elder Critias. Um because, you know, when you have a lot of children over the course of many centuries, occasionally one might end up on the red list. But I always felt that like that character, you know, it's like, does he belong on the red list? I don't know, you know, because he's not you know, he's just basically an anarch with lots of connections and he pissed off some people and <laughs> ended up on the red list. So, um, exactly though. Right. I mean, we, we right. kind of mentioned earlier that, right. you know, we can, the politics of the red list are huge, right? You know, this stuff is voted on, on a conclave, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? And once you're on the list, that's it. Yeah. That's another thing. There's no coming off the list until you, you know, someone, someone right. puts you in a bag, toe tag. Um, right. You were saying, can I, can I mention one gripe? Yep. One. Uh, so essentially this book, it's as a whole. Have you noticed that whenever there's a fifth gen mystery badass, it's a Malkavian? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, here, here's an interesting thing. This is a, as an aside. So if people are not interested in hearing about like how we work personally, feel free to, you know, skip ahead a few minutes. But um, uh, again, kind of been working on like a local game, you know, I'm going to run a tabletop game with some of the local people here. <clears throat> and it's an anarch based game. And I was going through the different clans and I'm like, okay, how have they changed? Like emerging to like this new era of vampires and I'm going through and finally I get to M from Malkavian and I'm like, what, why does this clan exist? <laughs> like, like the, the, I'm making a statement here, right? And it's going to be kind of a shitty one, but like, I, I'm just like, what do they add? Like, what, what do they do? Like oh the point is that they're like the you know oh the, the boogeyman like Klein malkavian there you go that's what their point is so i feel they're driving home this uh they're spooky <clears throat> right that's what mm-hmm. it is because they answer to an unknown force that help drives them forward and gives them incredible insights i.e you're a storyteller's plot hammer always right right whenever that's the point of them whenever an st needs a deuce ex machina that's you a MacGuffin, that's you Dogs the Malkavian. So every player plays the Malkavian and they jump around going, Hey, make me the MacGuffin. Make me the MacGuffin. And it's like, uh, you, you know. Well, uh, and yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's either that or they're just like, you know, the crazy sociopathic. And when I say crazy, I mean like in the, the almost comical sense, like the, you know, laughing, giggling murder machines. And that's like, the other, you know, I've been there. I've done it. You know, it's like I, I hate like the fish milk. So I'm going to play the 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 over the top sociopath, you know, slaughter killer. And it's like, all right, well, what are you going to do? Well, there could be <laughs> methods to that madness, right? To be fair, right? I myself right. have played a character such like that. But if there's everything's if everything can be tied to a character being played well, it's done well. I'm just saying when I look at and, and stay with me. This is my whole point. Metaniqua is a high-ranking Sabbat member in the Inquisition, right? And it doesn't add up with what we read in Becca's Jihad Diary, right? And this is why. She's fifth gen, right? Just incredibly powerful. And she made the camera list redless, and it's like, why did you bother? She's Sabbat. Like, they're all already blood-hunted, but she's special. But she hunts down down Infernalists. Right. So if you have the Jostians to hunt down Infernalists, and you have an inf- a Redless member who is a Sabbat Inquisitor who you know is an expert hunting down Infernalists, and odds are will kill anybody you send after her. Right. Right, to put her down. Then then aren't you just... Apparently, and what I'm saying is that when you assign someone this target, it's because you hate them. <laughs> they're they're going to die. Right? They're right. going to die. You don't even want them to succeed because of what she does. Right. right. Now that's one end. Then you have Vasantisena in, in the Sabbat, right? Mm-hmm. Vasantisena, granted, she's into some other stuff, but she's another Malk with incredible power. And I'm sitting here going, they can't all be Malkavians. Right. They can't. Now, I know what they're thinking, just two. There's more than two. We don't got that kind of time. But just remember, we mentioned Milwaukee by night. Right. Right? You have another Malkavian <clears throat> badass. And, and to be specific, you have the... Seraph of the Black Hand, Ellie Melick, another Malkavian badass. It's like all the Malks did was walk around, and, and at fourth gen was the magic number, and it was you just make an army, bro. Right. Make an army and don't stop. And I'm just saying, it's a thing I picked up, but I'm like, I was interested until I saw the clan. Right. <clears throat> right. Well, so so I guess I guess the the main takeaway from this is um the 13 on the red list, it's a mixed bag. 
You know, some people are going to like every single one of them for their own reasons. Um, me, I was basically while I was going through that, I was like, oh, that would be interesting to like put players towards, you know, um, I don't I don't necessarily like to run a game with Alistair's or with the potential of the red list with like the, you know, the the final boss mindset. It's not really how it should be done with this game, but essentially. I want to put characters in I want to put non-player characters into characters paths into player characters paths where you're going to be able to have more of a dynamic story than that's the red list guy jump them you know so well, um, well let's let's be fair this book is chock filled with how not to do that right, right it tells exactly. read this book in its entirety to right. know how not to do that the best usage for the characters in this book is to understand that in your world of darkness you may have a plot that you want to spice up or a mentor that's really interesting for the players to come across. And these people will break that mold. They'll easily do it. Like, let me take old Penton, uh, not Pentaniqua, um, yeah, Pentaniqua. And let's say, for instance, you have a Tremere who is trying to research a specific ritual to fend off a specific spirit for whatever reason. And, and no one in the Chantry has that answer. And they throw the net out. And they're looking right. for someone who collects weird books or what have you. And the storyteller's like, okay, cool. Here's a great scene I could run. And I'm not going to name her. Right. I'm not going to say who her name is because she's wanted and on the red list. And she's going to want information about the Tremere's whereabouts in the city to know where to step to do her business or asking specifically for something the players won't even get into. But it's the reason that she's there. That's great. That's great. You have a character already made with a background and everything they're doing to kind of fuel that engine. Right. right. Without it having to be, oh, they're there slamming. Also, you have a 10th gen lightweight. For when you do want to slam them, you want to get Alistair's, uh, right? You want them to get acknowledged right. early and, and get a win in the book before they get going in their career? Great. But I promise you, she's on the list in canon by the writers. Guarantee they put her there to trick you into being an Alistair. I do mean trick you. I've run three Alistair games, and every time the players went from awesome, extra points, badass, we're Alistair's to we're fucked. <laughs> how the hell do I go after this guy? Like, how the hell right. do you expect me to track Dylan Bruce, who he's in front? He like he toys with P's influence. He, uh, he, uh, uh, you'll get that the whole game, right? And I laughed. They had fun. It was a good games, but at the same time, you're not. Are you expected to run up and kill all these people? Sure, it's in the title, but really, the story is about the journey. And that's right. how you got to take this book, that journey. Well, yeah. And, and I think, too, um, one thing that it really kind of hammers home is that you as a storyteller, you have the absolute freedom to adjust this as you see fit. You know, if uh, you want to remove somebody to add somebody else, you want to make up characters for your own game that are on there. Awesome. Uh, you know, it's 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 there's any number of reasons to be on the red list uh, and you can use any number of, uh, of, of reasons why someone has been destroyed, you know? So, <clears throat> you know, don't feel like you're required to fit into this, this mold, you know, it's like with anything else in this game, take what you like, remove what you don't, you know, no big deal. Um, but then we move on from talking about the 13 characters into the actual role of what an Alistair is. Um, and I think that this is great because, um, you know, so I, I was reading like a critique of this book and, you know, basically they were like, oh, it, you know, it seems like it's all over and it's just like rehashing old information. And every update of a book is rehashing old information. <laughs> that's that's just like that's it's nonsense. Not, really, that's a cheap but but it's, it's designed to to give you a more defined 
idea of how you get to be an Alistair, um, the, the pratfalls, uh, you know, at what, what a red Alistair is like. So all the stuff that we were talking about earlier, that's all up in here. And, and again, bullet points, God damn, do I love me some bullet points? You gotta love bullet <laughs> points. Um, and I want, I want to know they kept Kim and Terry. Mm-hmm. Some of the best war possible is because of what you, what you, what you oppose. And Kim right. and Terry is a camera opponent that isn't an entire sect, but damn, is that a powerful character chilled of an antediluvian. Her very right. existence defies what the Camarilla beliefs are at this point in V20. And that's that's awesome to me. And more importantly, what it takes to be a consort to Mithras. Right? right this is right. Mithras's bad. This is a side piece, I want right. to point out. This is that girl from around away that comes back from now and again, <laughs> and he gets a little skinned. You know, that's that's what this is. And what about how she uses Helm, right? And it's it's back and forth. But that's what happens when you embrace in 1322 bce you can, right. you know what i mean when you're the right. baddest bitch walking when when your character decides that they're the king of kings and nothing can be stopped this is what's put here is an idea right or even right. better you want to know if you're out of control with your player characters open this book right, right. yeah yeah have you given out too much xp <laughs> it's is it too much Right. Hmm. Is have, your, we done, have we gone overboard? <laughs> is your eighth gen or a roving fourth gen waiting for the gen drop? <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. <clears throat> right. No, that's that's uh that's a, a fairly accurate representation. Um but so anyways, we move on from from the next chapter. Um kind of what what is the purpose, what is the what are the duties of the Alistair um to the character and traits concept, right? So here's your meat and potatoes. Here's your your how do I make a character? You know, what what is the point of, you know, what should I assign? This is the, you know, this is the game part of the game book. Um some combination disciplines. Um it even goes uh, so far as to um give you some ideal merits and flaws. Um let's let's be honest here. You're making an Alistair, right? You're running an Alistair game. Uh, you probably want to make somebody who's a little bit more on the combat side of things. You kind of want to make a badass. You definitely want to make somebody you can clean up. You you right. can't you can't just have a person all day long rolling <sighs> cities and expecting it to magically be taken care of by some uh joint mutant task force budget. Right. And and I would actually even say like for storytellers out there who have, you know, we get this a lot. Storytellers who are like, man, everybody at my table, they just want to play like these combat monkeys and just want to like go through and whoop ass. Well, here you go. Like you got a red list. Let's go. Let's start cleaning up. But at the same time, you give them what they want, which is the combat. But you as the storyteller should take what you want, which is the nuances of what this is how hard this can actually be. You know, it shouldn't be like you two meet on the street as the smoke clears from the explosions and sword fight it out. This is a game of cat and mouse, right? And it's, it's enhanced by the brutality of combat, but it's not meant to necessarily just be that. And it has to be right. And uh, what right. I'm, what I mean by that is, you know, when you have the, the combat going on, um, let me let me rephrase that. I think I opened my mouth as my mind was thinking of the term through. Um, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, the point of it is that if you see yourself surrounded by combat players, where they're weak is where your story is. Right. Where they're their weakest is where you're going to have fun because they will then have to learn how to get it done with the character they made. And that is a trick that you could keep using nonstop for any player. 
right? Because when they're good at something, how do you stop the story from being very rapidly solved and done, right? When they're struggling to get it done and thus they have to go through new experiences, hence the point of experience points, then you're on to something, right? Right. Because you're helping them round out that character. Absolutely. Um, we also have, uh, you know, some new merits and flaws. We have uh, um, even some thaumaturgical rituals. Um, I like the the really cool one in here. It's kind of like a version of uh, um, communicate with uh, with Sire. Uh, I forget the full name of it. Um, communicate with uh, kindred bond mate. Right. That's the name of this this ritual here, where um, you know you you are basically using that communicate with kindred sire but communicating with others that you're blood bound to so you know it's a it's a, it's a cool little uh, interesting thing little version of uh of that ritual that i like um not a lot of like powers in here it's not a, really a power book um and then would you like to talk a little bit about the storyteller toolkit bob <laughs> sure sure uh the storyteller toolkit is basically a way to get you going uh for this book how to run a Red List Chronicle, how to, how to implement some of the things that you just read about and uh, what theme and, and elements uh, that you want to put in the story. And right. what's cool about this is that obviously the, the moods of any Red List game are going to be paranoia deep, right? You're not going to have it to where it's not. Uh, and what we mean by that is, again, the focus is in action. Action right. will be there. But the paranoia is you're tracking beings capable of dodging folks for centuries and half some longer, right, who have binged the thorn in the side of every vampiric organization imaginable up until now. And maybe your players are here to stop them, or, unfortunately, they're worried they're being hunted by those in the red list. Let's not forget, Kim Nintiri has made such a claim that whoever you send after her, she will hunt them. Right? That's the, wow, you know, and she's known as the devourer of a thousand souls. Right? And then with the name they gave her, some badass moniker, and uh, it's 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 scary as hell to have that. So you got to be prepared for that. If you you know, most important thing in this toolkit, and, and they kind of hammer it, is that choose your target for your game. If your game is going to be something that's maybe not paranoia, and you do want it to be um, something that focuses on someone like the Tenshin Kurosawa, I believe it's Kurosawa. That's that's who you want it to be. Then you got to tear it down a bit, like right. make your standard characters, but you want them to get used to the fact that yes, you're on the red list. And you want to give them the secret plane flights, the the back room meetings with the prince where you get, to, you get told what you can and can't do, how to clean up a different scene. This is going to give you an example of all of that, including the styles of play you can go through. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, one thing I've always liked to I've always liked to run are hunter games, right? Just like straight up hunter type of games. Well. I mean, <laughs> this is a great opportunity to run that style of game, but with vampires, right? You come into a city because there's rumor of of someone having been through, and now they have to search for all the clues, and um, they have to be given the human element, and and all that. Like, I think that for me, like when you're a storyteller, you definitely want to read through this stuff because every one of these things that is included in the book should help to inspire you to run a better game. Uh, and, and they give you, you know, just like little keys for every single character in here, uh, that you can add into your game, you know, for you to, 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 uh, you know, and I, I think it's, it's also important to just to mention, for instance, um, you, you don't need to just be running an Alistair game, right? 
this is not necessarily just like all your your characters are Alistair's. If you're just running like a city themed game, how would you include these characters to disrupt the politics of your city without completely derailing your game? Right. That there's some information in here as well, and also there's some other characters in here, <laughs> so, right. like Sullivan Dane, or the world's greatest hunter. <laughs> you know, our favorite hunter of all time. He is the man is a badass. You, you got to give him right. his due. Or um, you know your James Jones, Jane Jonestowns, your you know your the Noah, some other characters like that as right. well. And, and here's what's cool: uh, and Kindu in this book was assumed to be destroyed, right? And I like yeah. how they put it: assumed. The Jessica <laughs> and Gangro who were involved. The Jessica sworn everybody to secrecy. Gangro will talk about those who went after him. Why? Right. The, the Noah is somebody who you, you don't want to be in a fight with. Like, yeah. how, how do you just kill that person? And that's right. And that's the deal. And maybe they encountered it. Maybe they didn't. But the point is, they're a case study. There's something to look at as to what occurred and for you to look at. Right. It's a it's a fun thing. They even have Madame Guile in here. Yeah. Right. For the same thing. Um, and what's what's the point? Well, they highlight in here. That you have if thirteen on the red list, but the Jessicars always have candidates. There's a list of them, right? Right. And so don't be afraid. Like one of my favorite retirement retired characters ever played a character for five years in live action and was the prince, and got retired because she, quote unquote, was selected for the inner circle. Right. Right. All the while, didn't realize she was being put on the red list. <laughs> that's right. really what they were doing they were putting her right there for the rain that she had because they couldn't stop her on what occurred right. and there was just too much too soon and that's where it was going and and but she was tired right i think a person after five real years of their life playing a character deserves a pause and a stop and she thought it was one of the right. coolest things ever but this shows you start to finish this book gives you an idea in particular when you get to case studies how to wrap up all that and what it should look like right how you know things have gone well um, or if you're afraid things have gone off the rails, give you an idea of how maybe to pull them back. We also have uh, the little tree at the end for everybody, the path of evil revelations, um, which, you know, we've talked about in other podcasts. Um, so you, you basically you get you get a newer updated version of the path of evil revelations. If you're using your uh, infernalist types in your game. Here you go. Um, there's also some additional dark thaumaturgy rituals in here, um, which I don't feel like, you know, we need to really go over too much. Um, they're rituals. <laughs> they're dark thaumaturgy. So, um, yeah, um, that's about it. Anything else you want to discuss in this book here, Bob? Not at all. I, I will tell you that if you're going to get, well, first off, this book is a must if you're running a chronicle that has the power level to sustain it. Right. Or if you're a storyteller who just has to have a villain, I'm like that. I just need a villain. I just like right. using someone I could just see the see the puppet strings and maybe have a little fun with it. This gives you something to play with and uh, and to go with or to inspire you to make your own. Right, right, exactly. Um, and uh, you know, giving you examples of of I, so I think any any storyteller who wants to have an updated idea of the more intricate and involved aspects of the Camarilla, this is great for. It's very instructional. Um, it's written, in my opinion, very well. And I don't feel like it's hard to follow at all. Like, yes, it is a rehash of old stuff, but everything in V20 is a rehash of old stuff. Um, but it's 
better defined and I feel like it's easier to follow to go, okay, what, what's, what, what do I do here for this Alistair? Great. There you go. You know, people that have been playing this game for, you know, 20 plus years, there's going to be just a little bit of new information to kind of update your game setting, but it's not going to be a lot of completely new. What it's going to be is very organized for you and your players. So in that regard, I definitely, um, you know, I've, I've picked up this book. I've, you know, obviously I own it on PDF, but for me, whether or not a book is worthy of having, especially now that I'm kind of like rebuilding my collection is all dependent on can, can it add anything to the table? You know, when I go and sit down to play with other players. And I think in that regard, it is a worthwhile book because it does have that information in it. Now, this book is worthwhile. It's a great book. And it has a gigantic black mark, right? Yeah, I, I, I like the book. It gets an A, begrudgingly. Uh, but there's no Tariq Silent. He's nowhere in it. Right. There's right, nowhere right. even around it. He's not even a case study. You mentioned it's, it's it actually, early. And, yeah, and, it's actually, the red list isn't why this book is worthwhile. Those 13 characters, some of them are good. Some of them are average or below, right? Some of them are middling. The rest of the information is why this book is good to me. It's good. Oh, no. I, th- I think the characters in this book are good. I'm just saying. Some of them you, are. You have to get the former uh, children's most wanted. You right. have to get that book so you can see Tariq the Silent. Yeah. <laughs> you need to see him. You need I to feel understand. Like Bob's focused on Tariq the Silent. <laughs> you need to have him. That's my boy. He's the one who said you were cursing you. No, the clan is being cursed by the Shmir. And he was like, no, man. It's not happening. Not me. I drink tiger's blood. I am excellence. I kill. In Hakeem's name. I can't be stopped. And and they, they were like, nah, man. We put him in the Children of the Night book and kind of updated his story and we don't need to put him in a third book. No, no, you do put him in the book. No, it's all right. It's too late. No, too late. no, I, I, I feel you. I understand. So um, next week, Bob, we have uh, actually um, a much larger book, um, probably the biggest book that we've had for V20 besides the core book, which is Lore of the Clans. So um, yeah, I, I've already started uh, you know reading it cover to cover. I'm about halfway through it now. Um, so definitely tune in for that next week. Um, how you doing over there? Oh, oh, I'm doing good. I've already, oh, I'm reading it. Yeah, man. I use mm-hmm. it. I have to read it almost daily. No, it's, we still, we still got a couple before we get to the okay. black hand, Bob. Okay. All right. Just check it. Cause I read <laughs> that. Like, I want to review the black hand. I read that whole book. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're almost there. Also, um, just as a, I'm not going to give too much information here, but coming up very soon, there will be some uh, Storytellers Vault reviews coming your way. So that should be fun. You know, we're definitely looking forward to sort of diving into the community and what the community has to offer. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. That's coming soon. So next week, Lore of the Clans. And uh, man, February, Dark Ages. February, Dark Ages. Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, cool. It's perfect. Yeah, right. Is it I love Valentine's Day in February? I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, all right. I need a Valentine for February, I guess. I don't remember it. So a couple of weeks from now, uh, Bob, you will be going to midwinter. Um, and yeah, I, I will not be in midwinter. However, we are going to have the opportunity to sort of meet up post midwinter and do some podcast recording face to face. So yeah, stay tuned for that. We're going to be in the same room doing high fives and watching each other do pushups and stuff. It'll be pretty cool. Raising the roof. Yep. Yeah. So anyways. Thank you, Bob, as always. Until then, I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. 
Hey folks, this is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, video, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook under our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you again for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.